All right, um, so we are moving into night number whatever. Three, thank you. I think it's actually the fourth night we've been here. Um, and so I got some more of my story to tell you. You guys ready to hear some more of my story? You cool with that? Perfect. Um, so I have it on the screens too because I feel like these are a little hard to see. But if you can see, our third box today is choices, right? And I have on here, I have some stones and I have a heart on there. And you might be thinking, I don't know what that means, but I want to know. Well, I'm going to tell you what that means. So I started growing up, and as you get older, you will learn that you have to make a lot of choices in your life, okay? I'm just letting you know now. So I know you guys have to make a lot of choices right now, right? You got to make choices on who you're going to hang out with at school. You're going to make choices on maybe what sport you play. You're going to make choices maybe on what you eat if you get the choice um, to decide what you're going to eat. You're going to start making choices. And as I started to get older, you start to make a little bit bigger choices, right? You're going to make choices on what kind of job you want to have and how you want to spend your money and all of these choices. And it can get very like, oh my goodness, there's so many choices. So as I was leaving middle school, I was about 14. Is anyone in here 14? Anyone? A few people. Okay. So it's kind of like middle school into high school, right? I'm not sure exactly which grade I was in, but I was like around that age range. And my, um, you know, everyone was like, what are you going to do for the summer? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Hang out on my pool. And then somebody was like, hey, do you want to work at this summer camp? And I was like, okay, cool. What are we doing? And she's like, you're going to be a kitchen girl. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm in. So I decided to go and work at this camp. And this camp is named Pine, called Pine Valley. Has anyone heard of it before? It's in the Pittsburgh area, so I wasn't sure if you guys, okay. So Pine Valley was the camp. And at the age of 14, I started working there as a kitchen girl, which meant I worked in the kitchen, I made the food, I cleaned, I like, gave the food to people. It was so much fun. We had a blast. I, it was awesome. And then I became a counselor. So that means like I was, you know, kids would come to camp and I would be their counselor. And then I became a head counselor, which means I was over top and oversaw the counselors. And I just had a blast. I worked there for, I don't know, seven years. It was a long time. And so my whole summer, I would like get out of school. I'd go and work at Pine Valley. And then pretty much as soon as camp was over, I would start school again. It was great. So one of my favorite things about being a head counselor was we got to make Everyone do whatever we wanted them to do. It was amazing. So this was, I, that's not the only reason I love the job, but this is one of my favorites. So we got to go around in the morning, and it was like 6.30 in the morning, and we had this massive bell, and we would start ringing the bell and wake everybody up in the camp, and we would make them come to something called morning exercises. How do you feel about that? Do you guys think we should do morning exercises tomorrow? What do you think? <laughs> no. All right, that's fine, but I thought we could do some exercise right now. So you guys all need to stand up. Stand up. Stand up. We're going to do some exercises. Just be happy. It's not 6.30 in the morning. All right, all right. Whew. All right, so when everyone's standing up, when everyone's standing up, we're going to get in. These were my two favorite exercises, okay? So the campers would come down, and they'd be like this barely like walking and they'd have their PJs on and I would be there and I would be like what up good morning and have like a crazy wig on and some costume and I'd be like all right you ready to go and they would just stare at me and I was like okay I don't care what you say because we're about to go okay so I'm gonna do it with you guys right now even though you're kind of staring at me so we're gonna get ready for some push-ups okay 
So, oh yeah, it's happening. Oh, whoa, whoa, you don't have to get on the floor. No, 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 none of that. Stand up, get up. I believe in you. Okay, ready? So we would do this and I'd be like, are you ready for push-ups? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, you're ready for push-ups? You guys ready for push-ups? All right, you ready? Get your hands ready. Get ready to go down and push your fingers up. One, two, three, four. Somebody count with me. Seven, oh, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, nice job. You passed the first one. Second one. It's the last one. You ready? We're going to get ready and we're going to do some toe touches. So we're going to make sure that we're stretching our hamstrings out and our calves out. All right, you ready? So we're going to do some toe touches. You ready for this? Here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. One, a two, a three. Nobody's counting. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Woo! You passed round two of the exercises. And you're done. Go ahead, take a seat. You're like, why did you just have me do that? Um, just because I wanted to see if you would. That's, that's really why. Is everyone feel ready? Whew, I feel energized. Hope you do too. All right, all right, bring it in, bring it in. So what was really fun is that we'd wake people up to do this, and it was really great, okay? But even though, like, we did crazy things at camp, there was also a part of camp that was really, really hard. Like, we worked long days, and I would work in that kitchen, and it was hot, and we had no air conditioning, and it was really, really hard. And then we'd have campers that would be really homesick, and they would, you know, want to be put to, like, they'd want you to put them to sleep, and they were coming with a lot of stuff from their homes and from their, their family lives, and so it, was, so it was really hard camp, and we would do this over and over and over again, and so some nights we'd get like three to four hours of sleep, if that. One time I slept in a trailer, like I was just, we would just sleep wherever. It was a hard camp, and so then I'd go home on the weekends, and I would sleep all day Saturday, and then Sunday I would get up and do it again, and we did it for eight weeks long, and it was a hard camp, and there were a lot of times, as much as I loved Pine Valley, there were a lot of times where I thought like, I could just be hanging out the pool with my friends. Like, I could just be going to the mall and going shopping. I could be on the beach somewhere, right? And there was a part of me that, like, really wanted that and to do that with my friends, but there was also a part of me that, like, so badly wanted to be at Pine Valley. There was something special about being able to serve people, and it was a Christian camp, so getting to hear about God and show other people who God is and tell of his story. So I was in between these places where I kind of wanted one thing, but I really wanted the other thing. So even though it was hard, that's the choice that I decided to make. So tonight in our story of God's story and my story, we're talking about a choice. But before we get there, I want to set up with some things we talked about yesterday. Remember yesterday, we left you in a place where you are sinful in your flesh. In this, in this kingdom of the world, you are sinful. In your flesh, you are sinful. And you are so far apart from God because why? He is over here and he is holy. And he's sitting here and he say, I love you but I'm holy and you're sinful and there's a gap between these places. And remember, he, he gave them these laws and we talked about the sacrificing of animals, but it wasn't just that. I mean, listen to this. There were burnt offerings, there were grain offerings, there were fellowship offerings, there were sin offerings, there were guilt offerings. So every time, every day, every month, every year, the people would have to give these offerings and these sacrifices just to be kind of in a relationship with God, right? Just to have an atonement 
for their sins to be able to live day after day. But they did all of this just believing in what God had said. God had said, if you follow these laws, you can be in community with me, but they never actually saw God. So that probably was really hard for them, right? Day after day after day, they would come in with their, into the temple, they would sacrifice or offer something and say, I hope this works, right? They had a faith that God was going to do it even though they didn't get to actually see God. So year after year after year, this happened, right? For hundreds of years, this is the way that people lived. God said, follow my laws, offer sacrifices and offerings to me, and then it will atone for your sin. It will atone for the gap between us. But then, about halfway through the Bible, in some of the... Um, some of the prophets in the Bible, you start hearing a new plan. And it's not a new plan. God had this plan all along, but you start hearing about something that's going to come. So in Jeremiah 30, uh, 31, 33, it says this. This is God speaking. And this is Jeremiah. So he was a prophet. He was someone that spoke a word before it ever came to happen, like come, before it ever happened, okay? So he would speak something out and then Years later, it would come to pass. And for this one, it was almost 900 years before it actually happened. That's how long this prophecy was. And it says, God is saying, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will all know me. So he's saying here, he's saying one day, so he's talking to the Israelite people. He's saying one day, you're not gonna have to give offerings and sacrifices because the law is gonna be in your mind and on your heart. And you're gonna know God without having to do all those things. And those people must have been like, no, that's crazy. That's not possible. What are you talking about? So they had to wait. And we see in 2 Samuel, God is speaking to David. So David was one of the kings of the Old Testament and God's speaking to David. And this is what he says. He says, when your days are over and when you die, I will raise up someone who will um, and establish a kingdom. Okay, so David's like, I'm the king. What do you mean? And he's like, yeah, but when you're dead, I'm gonna have someone else raise up and be and sit and be the king, right? And he is the one who will build a house for my name. I will establish this throne forever. And David was like, well, it would probably end right when that person dies. And God says, no, 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 listen, I will be his father and he will be my son. My love will never be taken away from him, ever. So we, they're speaking about these things. Okay, the law is not gonna be a thing anymore. Um, there's gonna be this kingdom. It's never gonna go away, right? So they're hearing these things. And these are prophecies of what is going to come. So now we skip over to the New Testament. Like I said, this was almost 900 years later. So for 900 plus years, the people stood with the tension of the gap, right? Between the between being sinful and between a holy God. And they sat there for so many years. And then we go over to the New Testament and we pick up in Mark. And this is where this verse is gonna be on the screen. And in Mark 1, we hear what God's plan was, what this kingdom was, what this uh, new heart was and this new law was. I can't find Mark in my Bible. Hold on. Matthew, Mark. The one I didn't have marked, I'm sorry. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> okay, Mark 1. Here we go. Mark 1.1 1, 1 says this. 
the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This was God's plan. This was God's plan. He was going to send his son here on earth. So this is a story of that. And this is what happened. So God sends his son named Jesus. What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Okay, so God sends his son. He says, you know, I'm going to send my son, and Jesus is going to come here. And Jesus was in human form. He was in flesh. He was a real person. And he came down. This is what happened. He came, and he went and got baptized first, and then the... um, Satan took him into the wilderness, and he was tempted. Well, the Spirit took him there, and he was tempted by Satan. And then he comes out of the wilderness, and this is what Jesus says, some of the first words. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. All those years you waited. Guess what? The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. And this is what he says. Repent and believe the good news. That was his message to the people. That was the message to the people. He said, hey, 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 good news. Good news, everyone. There's a kingdom, and it's here, and it's now, and all you have to do is repent and believe in it, and you get to be a part of that kingdom. You might be thinking, okay, kingdom, right? Like, I'm not a queen, I'm not a king. We're not in medieval times. Has anyone seen the Avenger movie? And okay, hopefully. All right, I'm about to have some real hardcore spoilers. So if you have not seen the movies, I don't know, you're going to get it spoiled. But all I can say is they've been out for three years. So if you haven't watched it yet, you're three years behind. So I'm about to spoil it. You guys ready? Okay, cool. So here's this idea, right? We all have this idea of this like kingdom. So the kingdom, there's always a bad kingdom and a good kingdom, right? So in the Avengers, I love the Avengers. I just think they're awesome movies. I kind of want to be an Avenger. It's fine. I, I know I can't, okay, but I'm dreaming. Which one? Black Widow. Are you kidding me? Okay. Anyways, Enough about the Avengers. Talk to me about it later. So we got the Avengers, and we've got this kingdom that runs under Thanos. So the end of Infinity Wars, right? The end of Infinity Wars. Thanos, I'm going to mess this up a little bit. I get it. I'm not, like, telling you the whole story. It's a five-hour movie at least or something. So he gets all the Infinity Stones. I know. And he snaps, and what happens? Like, half of the world or more than that, like, disappear. And all of a sudden, the world is now covered. I know, I know. I'm getting you amped because I'm talking about the Avengers. I get it. I get it. Half of the universe, thank you. Okay, and so things turn into like death and destruction. And it leaves you hanging at the end of that movie with like, this is awful, right? It's death and destruction. It's under the reign of this man named Thanos. And it's just awful. People are sad because people have died and they're gone. And they, well, they didn't die. They just kind of disappeared. And that's how the movie ends. And that's very much, and I know it's a stretch, but that's very much the kingdom of the world, Right? Death, destruction, you guys know this more than anybody. Things that are messed up, that's what happened back at the garden. We now live in a messed up, sinful, evil kingdom of this world. But what happens in Endgame? You know, we got this battle going on. We got the huge, whatever they're called, circle things at the end, portals. And what happens? Iron Man takes the stones And he snaps in that moment, everything that was gone comes back to life. And everything, you start seeing these reunions, and I like get emotional when I watched it, and I was like, oh my gosh, Spider-Man seeing his friend again, right? We have these emotions where we're like, wow, that's 
how it's supposed to be. And so I know it's a stretch, but Thanos in the destruction of the world, that's the kingdom, the evil kingdom in which we live in, in which we're a part of because of what Adam and Eve chose in the garden. But the kingdom under God is like the kingdom under the Avengers, but so much better because it's God and not the Avengers. And so we live in a kingdom of, he offers a kingdom that is so great and it feels like how it's supposed to be because it is. That's how he always created it to be, right? So you might be thinking, you're like, okay, cool. So there's like a new kingdom. That's great. Why do I care? What does it represent? Let me tell you what it represents. This is what you'll find in the kingdom of God. You will find a full life. Not a life that is just like, full of sadness and full of destruction and full of death, you will find a life that is full, not because your circumstances will change, but because God will do a work in your heart and you'll be able to have joy and you'll be able to have peace and you'll be able to have love for people because he provides a full life. It says through Jesus, you can receive a life and life to its full. So if you feel like you are just struggling through every day, The kingdom of God is where you need to be. He created it for you, for your hearts, so that you can live in peace and joy and love in a full life. Number two, it takes away the ceremonial laws. We are no longer under the law. We no longer have to bring animals to sacrifice. We no longer have to do all these ceremonial things. We're free. That's what's in the kingdom of God. We are all included. Who is sick of a culture that says that I can't do something? Anybody? I'm sick of it. But not in God's kingdom. God's kingdom says all people are included from every nation. Every nation here on this earth, he wants everybody. You are all included to become part of the kingdom, to be a family. He also says that it's a kingdom that is unified. Whew. Do we need some unity in our world? Do we, right? I'm so sick of division everywhere. That's of the kingdom of the world, but the kingdom of God says, no, we can be unified. How about the fact that all of us are sitting in this room together and all of us are hanging out at Surf City this week and we are unified. This is what the kingdom of God brings. Doesn't that sound like an amazing kingdom? Right? So God, so Jesus comes and he says, hey, 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 I made this kingdom and it's here. And guess what? Every single one of you get to be a part of it if you want to, but you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. And here's the choice you have to make. He says two things. He says, one, you have to repent. And we're going to go into what that means. And two, you have to believe And through those things, you can be in the kingdom of God. You can live in life and freedom and unity and inclusion over here in this kingdom under the kingship of God himself. So I told you two things. How do you join this kingdom, right? First, you join it by believing. So you got to know how the kingdom came into place, right? How was this gap um, no longer a gap? How was it filled in? How was it atoned for? And a lot of you know this story, but it was atoned for by the blood of Jesus. I talked about it a little bit last night. So we have to believe that Jesus came to earth, 
died on the cross for our sins, came back to life, and because of that, he paid the entry fee for us to get into that kingdom. There's no fee you have to pay. You just have to believe. You have to believe and repent, but you don't have to do anything. You don't have to, you don't have to bring anything. You don't have to be perfect. You might be sitting here and being like, I don't deserve to be in the kingdom of God. You're right, you don't. I don't either. But Jesus said, I don't care, I want you anyways. And so he stood on a cross, and he was on a cross hanging for our sins, and he died with nails through his hands and through his feet. He had a spear that went through his side, and he died. And it says in 1 Peter 2, 3, it says, when the people hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. It says that he stood there and he took the weight of it all. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He, he trusted himself to God. He said, God, this is, I'm doing this. You sent me to do this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. We might say no to the sin in the kingdom of the world and live in righteousness. That means in right standing with God. He did that so that we could live in righteousness and by his wounds, you have been healed. Will you say that last one with me? You ready? And by his wounds, you have been healed. Because Jesus stood on that cross, he covered the gap. He literally took his blood. Remember the blood I was talking about with the animals, right? Jesus took his blood and he went to God and he said, God, here's my blood. And God said, whew, it's enough. And it's not just enough for you, my son, but it's enough to cover the sins of every single person here on this earth. Every single person. And you're like sitting here being like, but you don't know. God doesn't know what I did yesterday. Yeah, he did. He thought about you when, you were on, when he was on that cross. And he said, yep, I want him too. Yep, I want her too. Yep, I want him. Yep, yep, every one of them I want to cover and save and give them an entry fee into the kingdom of God. And what's awesome is that in that moment when Jesus died, the enemy, the kingdom of the world, the king of the world, Satan, he was like, yeah, he's dead. I've won forever. But what happened? Three days later, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, that's worth celebrating. This is like, this is like the epic battle at the end of Endgames. Right? Thanos is like you're done. And they come back and they're like, you wrong. That's what Jesus did when he raised himself from the dead. He said, you're wrong. And guess what? It's not just me that's going to be in the kingdom of God. I'm bringing everyone with me. All people who will believe and repent get to be a part of the kingdom of God. So the second thing, we talked about belief. We have to believe that Jesus came, died, raised from the dead so that we can be in the kingdom of God. And number two, we have to repent. Does anyone know what repent means? Anyone? Anyone want to volunteer? Anyone know what repent means? Oh, what do you think it means? Oh, ask for forgiveness? Yeah, that's a good one. I think that's part. Go ahead. Forgive your sins. Yeah, God forgave our sins, right? So repentance, and I had to look it up. Did you have one in the back? To turn. Yes, right? To ask for forgiveness, to turn. It's to turn. Okay, this is what it says. To have an interchange by surrendering your life to the king. 
So you have a turning, you're asking for forgiveness, and you're saying, God, I give my life to you. But whoa, this is not what the world tells us, is it? Is this what the world tells us? No, what does the world tell us? Live your life for yourself. I literally looked up, I went on this website called Parentology. It's a thing. And it was like, how to stay, uh, how to stay up to, with all the up-to-date words that your kids might say. Isn't that weird that that's a website? Anyone think that's weird? <laughs> I think it's really funny. I was cracking up. I hope I'm not that parent one day. But anyways, okay, so the number one, or not number one, one of the top 10 words in 2018 was YOLO. Do you know what YOLO means, guys? Please tell me. You only live once. Do what you want to do. Live your best life, right? This is what we're taught constantly by the kingdom of this world. They say, Satan is like, hey, you do whatever you want to do. You make yourself happy. I don't care. I don't care how other people feel. As long as you feel good about yourself, you're good to go. Well, we know where that kingdom leads to death and destruction. But God says, no, 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 you don't live your kingdom. You don't live your life for yourself. You actually, when you give it to me, I'm gonna take it and do so much more than you ever thought because I created you and I know what you want more than you even know what you want. It's wild. So here's what he says. He says, you can enter my kingdom by believing and repenting. So turning away and saying, God, you know what? I don't want to live in this kingdom anymore. I want to live in your kingdom. Will you take my life? Will you, can I give it to you? In 2 Corinthians, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old you has passed away. That means died. The old you has died. Behold, the new has come. Galatians 5.24, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have been crucified. Crucified means killed. Crucified the flesh. Remember the flesh we were talking? The flesh, the sinfulness of our hearts, right? It's been dead, and it's the flesh that's been killed with its passions and desires. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I give you a new heart. This is, G this is God speaking to you. I give you a new heart. I give you the choice, right, for a new heart. And he says, I will take your heart of stone that's from over here, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So, of course, I had to bring a stone and a heart. Um, okay, so this is filled with water, and I'm really hoping this doesn't spill. Whoa, is right. What? Is there a real heart in there? Oh my gosh. Who do you think I am? Okay, so this is what he says in that last verse. He says, look, look, look. This is what your heart looks like right now. Looks like this stone. When you're born in your flesh, okay? This is your heart. It's a heart of stone. What does stone do? What, tell me a characteristic about stone. It sinks. It sinks. What else? It doesn't change it's solid, it's hard. It just sits there, right? It's darkness, right? So this is our heart when we're born. Oh, heartless, you're right, it is heartless. Okay, so here's what happens. Like, so God is like, hey, 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 I'm gonna try to make you a new person, right? I'm gonna try to make you, I'm gonna try to um, give you more uh, patience, right? And I'm gonna try to do these things. But every time he tries to do it, it's like putting it, the stone in water. And the stone is, is good when it sits there, but then it comes right out and it, everything just drips right off of it. It can't absorb anything, right? It can't absorb anything from the kingdom. It can't absorb the goodness of God. It just, 
It just falls right off of it. It's hard and it's calloused. And he says, this is your heart. But guess what? If you turn, believe and repent and come to me and say, here, give me your heart. He goes, hey, give it to me. And guess what? I'm gonna give you a heart of flesh. And a heart of flesh, here's my heart. This is not what your heart looks like. Just letting you all know. I know. Okay, so I'm going to take your heart, but what, is this, what does a sponge do? A flesh, fleshy thing, when it goes into the water, it absorbs and it soaks up and it's now full of the goodness of who God is and it's full with love and it's full with joy and it's full with peace and it's full of life and life to its full and it's full and guess what? It's ready to give it to other people. So then it goes to somebody else and it says, hey, and you can squeeze out the water on other people and tell them who God is and your heart is now flesh rather than stone. God can actually work with a heart like this. He cannot work with a heart of stone. And he says, hey, hey, when you turn and believe and repent, I will trade you. Guess what? You don't have to carry this anymore. You get to carry this. You don't have to hold this anymore. You get to carry this and become more like me. It's amazing that God did this for us. And you might be thinking to yourself right now, okay, well, what about me who I've heard this story before, and I've believed that Jesus died on the cross, and I've repented, and I've dedicated my life, or given my life, or turned my life to Jesus, but so what does this have to do with me? Do you know there's even another step to this? It says in uh, Luke 9, 23, and it says, and he said, this is Jesus, and he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, what does it say? Daily. What does it say? Daily. Daily and follow me. So you say, okay, well, I'm no longer a part of the kingdom of the world. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I repent. I say, take my life. But you can't just do this once. You have to do this daily, day after day after day. And I'm not talking about raising your hand and saying, yes, I accepted Jesus again. And we use this term oftentimes in church, like this recommit my life to Jesus. That's, it's actually not in the Bible to recommit your life to Jesus. It's just to daily come to the cross and say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you sent your son. And God, would you make me more like you? I don't want my flesh. I don't want my sinfulness. I want to become like you. And so in that, you go to him daily and you come to the cross and you're reminded of his goodness and you say again, God, take my life. Would you take my life? Would I become more like you? Would you take my life and, and do something with it? And so for me, I just want to share a little example of this. For me, whew, that's my stubbornness. I am stubborn. Stubborn. And you know what stubbornness really is? It's pride. I think that my way is the best way. And so I am stubborn. But I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. But I deal with stubbornness all day, every day. And so constantly I wake up in the morning and I say, God, I don't want to be stubborn. I don't, want other, I don't want to be prideful. I don't want other people to think that I don't need their help. I need their help. They have things to teach me. I need their help. I don't want to be stubborn. So God, would you take my stubbornness and would you make me receptive to other people's help? For me, for a really long time, it was my words. Woo! My words. I would get so angry. I would get so angry. And I would say, God, I don't want to be angry anymore. Would you take my anger and turn it into love? 
And so every day I go to him. In the morning I wake up, and I don't know what it is for you, but what do you need to take before God and say, please change it. Make it more like you so that more people can see you through my life. So guys, um, we're about to transition, and some of you know what 20 minutes of silence is, but some of you don't because you've never been here. So we're about to transition into a time um, called 20 minutes of silence. It's something that's done here at Surf City and at Laurelville and different PKF camps if you've ever been there. But what we're going to do is after we're done here, so not yet, you don't get moving anywhere, we're not going anywhere yet, but after we're done here, you guys are going to go out when I dismiss you, and you're going to go find a place on campus, okay? And in for, for 20 minutes, you're going to sit there by yourself, not talking to your friends, not being on your phone, and you're just going to sit in silence. And for you, I'm not going to tell you what to do in this time, Okay? You could pray, you could look up at the stars, you could pick the grass, you could reflect, but here's what I want. I want God, I, what we're doing is we're letting God have a space in our life. Our life is filled with things constantly. But here in that 20 minutes, we're gonna let God have a space in our lives. And we are going to get to respond to something that we've heard this week, maybe something you've talked about in cabin time, maybe something we talked about tonight, maybe something you've read in your Bible, or maybe it's just a really big question. Man, God wants your questions. Bring them to him. He wants your questions. So sit. we're going to sit in that 20 minutes, and at the end of 20 minutes, you're going to hear there's a car horn that's going to go off. We'll make sure that you know. And at that time, you're going to go back to your cabins quietly, go back to your cabins, and you guys are going to have cabin time. So um, that's what 20 minutes is going to be. But before you go, I want you to think about something. So I read this quote, and it says this. The cross is a shocking, provocative story that demands an incredibly high-staked response from the reader. Okay, so it's saying right here, you can't look at the story of the cross. You can't hear that there's a kingdom of God and not respond. But here are some ways that you can respond. You can either respond to devotion you can either look at the cross and the kingdom of God and say, yes, I want that, and I want to be a part of that, and God, yes, take me, pick me, I want in, right? Or you can be indifferent. You can say, okay, but guess what? That's still a response, and God wants a response. Your indifference, your indifference, you might be over here and say, you know what? I'm not sure if I want that yet. That's okay, because God loves you, and he's going to pursue you, and these are seeds that are being planted in your life. And one day, when the world no longer satisfies anything in your life, you are going, I believe, and I'm praying that you're going to turn to the Father and say, God, I want to be a part of that kingdom. And that will be your day. But whatever it is, we want you to sit in that place. And we want you to think about where you are and what you want for your life and what you need to do to be able to do that. And remember, it's nothing that you bring. It's just a belief and a repentance. It's a belief and a surrendering to God as your king. Guys, um, this is what the Lord thinks about us. I put up a verse, um, and it says Ephraim in the word, the second word, but I want you, as I read this, I want you to put your name in here, okay? Because this is what God thinks about you. So I'm gonna read it with my name in it because I can't say all your names at one time, but this is what he says. It says, oh, Alyssa, is my dear, dear daughter, my child in whom I take pleasure. Every time I mention her name, my heart bursts with longing for her. 
Everything in me cries out for her. Softly and tenderly, I wait for her. This is what God says about every single one of you. He's saying, I created a kingdom and I want you. Would you come to me? And guess what? I'm going to wait eagerly for you. And I'm going to be so excited when you finally surrender your life to me. And I'm going to have you do amazing things for my kingdom. So would you guys all stand right now? We're just going to stand. You're not moving. You're not going anywhere. We're just standing up. Okay. I'm going to pray, and then right after I pray, a song is going to start playing. And you guys are going to stay in here, because the lights are going to be down. You're going to stay in here, and you're going to let the song and the words of the song just start flowing over you, okay? And then when the lights come on, you guys are going to quietly, quietly, no talking to your friends, no whispering. You're going to quietly exit out the back doors and go and find your place on campus for your 20 minutes of silence. So let's pray, and then we're going to have the song start. So God, thank you so much for sending your son to this cross. Thank you so much for making a way for us to no longer be in the kingdom of the world, but to be in your kingdom. Right now, God, would you just do something in our hearts? Maybe it's coming to you for the first time. Maybe it's saying to you for the first time, I want to know more about this. Or maybe it's coming to you for the millionth time and saying, God, Please help me be more like you. Lord, I just pray that you would be working. You already are. You love us. You are working in our hearts, and you desire to be with us. You desire to be in relationship with us. And God, would you just do a great work here tonight? So Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you, and we give all to you. In Jesus' name.